So welcome everybody. I'm I'm pretty excited tonight because this is our fifth interview in the series. So the next one will be, well, will be a year in, a year into delivering a, a an interview every two months. And we're doing this as a, as a community offering to encourage people to come and have interesting conversations. And I encourage people to bring their questions too. So we'll create some time at the end to ask some questions. I, when a lot of people sign up, I do give you the option to, to bring some questions. And it's interesting because people know me as a communication trainer and leader, and they ask a lot of questions around communication, but not so much around habits, which is what tonight's uh, interview is about with Stephen Mengsel. And I'm going to introduce him in a few moments. But I wanted to start by just saying that the habit journey, I think a lot of people are on this journey because... Atomic Habits was a book that's been so popular. And we actually do run a, um, a book club. Well, we ran a book club and now it's more like a bring something that you've read um, group. And we read it and uh, it, the conversation kept going. People were like, okay, how can I change myself? How can I improve myself? And I think there is this illusion that we can just improve ourselves by being in the right environment. And, well, I think that we'll learn a bit in a, more in a moment, but I, I think there's a big myth around that, really. I'm, I moved abroad years and years ago. About 20 years ago, I lived abroad, and people said, oh, you'll just pick up the language. And after a year of working hard, five hours a day at least, and living in the environment, I really looked back on what people said and thought, there is no way I would have picked up French by just being in the environment. I had to put a lot of work in. And now here I am 20 years later, and I work with a lot of people who are trying to improve their communication skills. They're trying to get their message out clearer. And I think a lot of the problem comes down to setting up better habits. And I talk a lot about journaling and doing things that make you happy, at least in communication from as many different angles, researching what other people do. But I suspect a lot of people don't do it. And it's really hard to set up behaviours. And one of the questions that came out of just the, the registration form was, how can I build any more habits when I've got kids and a really demanding work schedule? <laughs> so maybe that's something we can look at, Stephen. But that's probably a good moment for me to introduce Stephen tonight. Stephen Mengsel and I have known each other for a really long time and we, we used to teach together. And then he moved in a completely different direction. And that's when I came across you again because you asked me to come and look at a course that you designed. And I did the nice thing, you know, I helped out a friend because they had a new course and I thought, oh, this, you know, this, it's the right thing to do. And I left the course changing habits left, right and centre and I got up in the morning, I had my gym gear out on the floor, I got up, I got myself a glass of water, I sat down and I wrote for a while, then I did my, <laughs> my exercise and I really did stick to it for a while but not forever. So we want to look at these kinds of things, not only how they're looking at um, communication but also in our daily lives around stress around making us happier. But um, Stephen is an ex-lawyer. He lived abroad for a very long time. And then he became fascinated in behavioural design, which I think is the official title that, that you describe yourself as now in this area. So what does that mean? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about you and, and what got you into sure. doing this kind of thing. Sure. Well, 
What, what I do basically is I help people bridge the gap between intentions and actions, which is the gap that causes, I would say, most of the problems in life. It, it just is. Um, the world is full of great intentions, great ideas, great plans. But as you said, very few people execute those plans and even smaller numbers of people continue executing those plans over a well, a slightly longer period of time. And that's what we call habits. You know, habits are regular actions that are repeated over a longer period of time. It doesn't have to be forever, by the way. Habits come and go. They, come, they, they can be a few months. They can be a few years. They can be decades long, um, as long as they're serving a purpose for you. But the problem is the only is that change is terrifying, right? Change, real change. I mean, I'm talking about behavioral change, everyone. It's terrifying. It's terrifying for your brain. Your brain hates change. Our brains, our brains are not designed to change comfortably. Okay, change is supposed to be a threatening thing for our brains. It's it's a survival instinct that's built into our brains, which are prediction machines. Our brains don't like risk. They don't like uncertainty, and that's what change does. So. When we look at behavior design, we start from we, we have to start from this position that change is difficult and you won't want to do it. Okay? Now you might cognitively go, you might cognitively think, you know, I, I wanted I want to make these changes and improvements, but instinctively your brain will be will be pulling you back. Okay, and we call that resistance, right? So you'll be encountering some resistance. Um so I've always been fascinated with this idea, how do we bridge that gap between what we intend and what we actually do? Now, New Year's resolutions is a really good example. You know, Traditionally, 90% of people fail to keep doing whatever they resolve to do after a period of four weeks. And the reason is because they're doing it through basically trial and error. And that's what the traditional way of behavior change has been. It's I'll try it out and I'll motivate myself through it. I'll willpower myself through it. What we know, what we know now is this is probably the worst way to make long-term meaningful change in your life. It's the absolute worst way. And it's proven by the fact that so many people absolutely fail at it. And you know, Leone, what happens when we fail? And what happens when we, when we repeatedly fail? We feel bad right? We feel bad, right? And you cannot change or improve through a process of failure and feeling bad. Habits come through a process of success and feeling good. So it's really, I mean, it's a self, it, these resolutions and these decisions we make are really self-fulfilling prophecies of disaster. Mm. So I've really been fascinated with that. And I'll just say one last thing. I'll say how I really got into it. Yeah, so, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Like, why would you go? Because and and how did you study? Why are you interested? And well, and to what extent did you go to answer that question? Look, I, I I'll go back about uh, I think it's 12 or 13 years ago. Um, I was teaching English at the time, um, kind of a stopgap job, and I was teaching um a, a sort of a low level English class, and there were four guys from Mongolia in the class. Four guys, all friends all had come to Australia around the same time, all were enrolled in an English language course that I was teaching them. And one of them, his English was dramatically better than the other three. Very much better, very noticeable, very comfortable with English. And I, I would talk to this guy and, and I, would, I would try and find out how he was so much better. I thought, you must have spent time in an English-speaking country or, you know, there's something about you. And he said, well, there's one thing that I do do. And I said, what do you do? And he said, every morning, oh, he said, first of all, I love the TV show Friends. 
Yeah, <laughs> Leonie, I mean, some people here might remember the TV show Friends. Maybe not you, Leonie. You're far too young for that. But, um, you know, he had a DVD box set of 266 episodes of Friends. And so he said, every morning I make myself a cup of coffee, I put my coffee cup down and I watch an episode of Friends and I love the character Joey, so I always copy him, right? And this story stuck in my head. And it stuck in my head for one reason. And it's not what he did. It's not watching Friends. It's how he did it. Because how he did it enabled him to form a consistent, easy and enjoyable habit of exposing himself to regular native English. And his friends didn't. His friends didn't do it, right? And we saw the results. He was happy. He loved English. He was very comfortable in English. And his friends were very jealous of him. But this guy, 13 years ago, put something in my head, right? Because I looked at him and I went, God, it's so easy for you. How did you do it? Not what, because we all know that doing stuff we love is good, but how did you create that habit so easily and effectively? And that started me on the journey where I am today. Yeah, I think there's something about getting obsessed with things. I, a lot of people I work with, they struggle with writing for business and they've got to write all the time and they're sending emails and writing reports and how do I structure my report? And they hate writing. And I think there's you can decide to love something even if you don't instinctively. What do you think about that as a way to look at something? What we know about habits is that you can't really form a habit around something you don't like. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people look, habits have a bad reputation. Habits have a bad name. When I said the word habit to all of you, what do you think? You think of bad habits. You think of addiction. You think of struggle. You think of persisting for a long, long time, right? You yeah, think I've got of, a habit. Think <laughs> it's of, not a good thing. <laughs> you think of climbing that habit mountain, maybe get the two, you know, mm. you know, I and and it, that's crazy. That is that's the, that's the madness. That's that's the mad way of trying to build a habit. We know this now through research. Okay, we know because habits form around things that we enjoy. So if you want to, first of all, a, when people say I want to form a writing habit, I get very worried because um, I wonder what is the motive for that. So habits should be joined to authentic goals, always, always, because habits can be a little bit dangerous. You can build bad habits, obviously, habits that take you away from your goals. So you should, if you're going to build a habit, it should be in service of something that's really meaningful and important. So I always question people about, you know, why do you really want to be, do you really want to be a regular writer? You know, um, but if they do, Leonie, then we have to find something enjoyable about writing. We have to select the right writing tasks that are as enjoyable as possible so that that could form a habit. And so yeah. selecting the right habit action is so important. Okay. And oh, I, I had a, later. a friend, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I, I had a friend who I was, I was working with her. She, she was a client originally, but she became a friend and same thing. She just hated writing reports and she's a fairly senior staff member at, you know, a big professional services organization. And I said to her, can you just write me a story about what you did yesterday? Or can you write me just something that you're interested in and, and email it to me and write to me because I'm your friend. <laughs> like, tell me something about you that I don't know. And 
even that was really hard for her, but she could see that, you know, there was something that was at least more pleasurable in that than writing a report. But I don't know, how do you get to the point where you love writing audit reports or board reports? There's something intrinsically unappealing about doing that. You, 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 you literally can't. But, but if you have to do something like that, what we can do is you can build what we call a trigger habit. That means when it comes to doing things that we don't actually love to do, it's the beginning that causes the problem. What you normally find is when you start to write the report and you're into it, you can actually write half an hour, an hour, and, you know, you'll do it. Mm. You know, I I said to people the other day, look, if I could click my fingers and I could transport you at 6 o'clock in the morning to a gym class at the gym, fully dressed, in the middle of the class, you'll probably do it. It's Mm. the getting dressed, it's the getting there that's the problem, right? It's called initiation friction. So what we find is that when you're actually in it, in the writing of the report, it's not too bad. It's that starting. So we can build up what we call initiation habits, which is you get a trigger and before you know it, you've started writing that report, right? Mm. And when you start, you're likely to keep going for 20 minutes. No one's going to really love that 20 minutes, no, I mean, no one's going to say, I, well, well, you know, <laughs> it's your habit. I just write order reports all day. It's not really something that that, mm-hmm. that many people can build it up as a habit. But you yeah. can certainly initiate it. You can certainly get yourself in there automatically. Um, you can kind of trick yourself into it. Yeah, I think one thing I, I love talking about is the CFD, and it's the crappy first draft. Some people say it in a slightly less polite way. And when I read about writing, they talk about the SFD, but the CFD crappy first draft, just get something down. And I can feel myself when, and I consider myself a pretty good writer, but still there's that apprehension at the beginning. And I think, look, and I actually bought myself a really nice tablet just so that I can write freely on a device that was pleasurable to be in my hands. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was my gift to myself so that I could build habit of writing. And I think even if you're writing a report just to go, okay, this is what I know about this client. This is what I'd like to say to them. This is what I'd like them to feel after reading my report. I think can kind of get you into that mode. Well, I'll tell you about myself at the moment. At the moment, I am halfway through my latest university degree, which I seem to do one every decade. So I'm half... <laughs> I'm halfway through an MBA at the moment, and this is a self-paced degree. There are no due dates. There's no end date. There are no classes to attend, right? So I'm literally on my own, right? And the only limitation I have, I have to finish this MBA within five years of starting it, but there is no due date for anything. So you can imagine I've had to really build habits to get me to do it. Otherwise, I just won't do it. Right. So I've, I've built up this whole ecosystem of, of, of habits to trigger me and prompt me to be continually engaging with it and writing. And it's been really intriguing because um, we are all governed by habit. The way we are communicating now, you and me, this is habitual. The way we learn is habitual. Right. So I'm 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 doing my MBA my last degree was another master's, you know, 11 years ago. And I find that I'm approaching my current MBA with the same habits that I was, I was using 11 years ago, which don't work because 11 years ago I was attending classes and doing assignments with due dates. It's very different. Mm-hmm. So I've had to create new habits. One habit that I have, a learning habit, is exactly what you said. I am unable to do the crappy first draft. 
everything for me must be perfect. And if it's not an HD, I'm a failure. Yeah. That's my habit of learning. And that was from when I, you know, when I was 17, 18, first, when I first started uni. I have had to change that habit dramatically to do what you've said. Crap yeah. your first drafts, get it done. Mm. I do a lot of my writing now while I'm out walking. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I, d- I do a lot of writing now dictating while I'm walking. Yeah, right. Because that for me is enjoyable. So what I'll do, and, and look, obviously I, I'm, I'm, I, it's quite easy for me. I'm, I'm a bit of a natural talker. So I, I will basically go for a 20-minute walk. And while I'm walking, I'll have my dictation on my, on, my, on my iPhone and I'll just be talking, right, kind of in paragraphs about the topic. You know, half my assignments are self, are, are what we call refle- reflective practices anyway. So they're kind of stories, like 3,000 word stories anyway. So I find that, you know, and then all I have to do is come back and edit it. And when I edit it, I put my headphones on, listen to my, listen to my favorite music. So that way I get around this thing of like, I don't like sitting and writing too much, like typing. And if you've got some money, you could even outsource that. <laughs> that's true that's true um okay I want to come back to BJ Fogg and and why did you you said you became interested in habits but then how did you end up studying under one of the greats and who is he <laughs> yeah who is he well um as I said always been interested in behavior always been experimenting on myself um but it was through atomic habits actually so um Atomic Habits came out, I think, towards the end of 2018. And, I, you know, I'd read a lot of habit books before that one. And I picked it up, you know, didn't know much about it, read it, and I went, this is fantastic. And it was fantastic because when I read it, it explained that guy, Mongolian guy, 13 years ago. It explained it to a T, right? He made it really obvious with the coffee. He made it really easy right? And he made it enjoyable, right? And I went, gosh, thank you, James Clear. You have explained habits to me. Hmm. And then I, I, I saw in the book that he'd thanked BJ Fogg. And, I, and I, I'd heard about BJ Fogg in behavioral science circles. And then I, um, and as it happened, six months or a year after James's book, BJ released his book called Tiny Habits. And so I read Tiny Habits and I was blown away because um, James Clear had had studied under BJ. He'd done a small course with BJ, mm. basically took BJ's more academic style material, a little bit academic, and, and James had translated it into something that was more, I guess, a little, little bit easier to, to follow. So um, I contacted BJ. Um, he said, come and do my, my course and become a, tra- a Tiny Habits trainer. Showed up for like, you know, four months at four in the morning online because, you know, it's the time difference and did three hours and every week. Um, yeah, and, and he personally taught, taught a small group and he's a great, he's, he's, he's really, he's really a fantastic guy. He, um, he's very casual. I've just, I'm just putting in a couple of references in the chat here because one is a TED talk and one's just an abbreviation of the TED yeah. talk. So it's, it's, he's really different from what I envisaged him to yeah. be. He, he started in the nineties at Stanford university and he, and he, he taught this very special class, um, in, in tech design. So he started as a tech, tech person. He started as how do we make, um, how do we help technology form habits in people? Mm-hmm. And the guys he taught in the 90s, some of them went on to be the founders of Instagram, 
um, some guys yeah. who's, who worked for Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. guys who worked at Google. A lot of these guys went on to form these really big companies that you all know. And, and he got this um, he got this reputation for that. But some somewhere around the 2000 or just after, he had misgivings about this because BJ's a very nice guy. And, you know, he wants to teach for the power of good. And he had the feeling that his people were taking his teachings and, you know, creating addictive apps Mm -hmm. (laughs) to harness your attention. So he decided to to actually devote himself after that to creating positive changes and habits in people. Um, Great guy. Great guy. So I remember you telling me another time about some other habits you had have, like even in your relationships and building better relationships with your wife and and even happiness. Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, sure. You know, look, I, I, I'll say this again to all of you. We are we are habit machines. We are creatures of habit. That's why we say it. You have hundreds and hundreds of existing habits that you practice on a regular basis. And most of them you're just totally unaware of. From the moment you open your eyes, you are governed by habits, okay? Up to 50% of your all your daily actions are what we would classify as habits. So you can imagine the day is just full of them. And, you know, so what I, when I started studying habits, I began to notice, I just began to become more aware of these. And you're able to start to manipulate them a little bit. It's all about becoming intentional and mindful a little bit more about your actions. So, for example, I, um, you know, I mean, I'll share this. It's, you know, you mentioned relationships. Um, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't communicating as often and as maybe as generously as I could have with my significant other. So I, I decided, you know, when I, whenever I walk in the door and I, ha- and I hang up my keys, because I always put my keys in a certain place, right, I then go to my wife and I say something that I, that I value about her or that I, that I, I that I appreciate about her. Okay. Now, um, you know, if she's not at home, I don't do it. But if she's at home, I find her and I say, you know, I just, thank, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Okay. And it is, and that is, uh, yeah, you can mute, you can mute. Yeah. Um, and that is genuine, by the way. It is genuine. But it's the initiation. It's the starting of it, which is automated. Mm-hmm. So I hand my keys and I go to my wife. And then I switch on into deliberate mode. And I honestly say something that I really value about her. Mm. Radically changed my relationship. And yeah. if I had what change had... did you see? What what change did you see in her? <laughs> I mean, enormous change. Yeah, so know, she's just grateful to hear, and she's grateful and, to hear it. Yeah. And you know, it, it is a bit. And obviously, obviously, we you know, I, you don't continue that forever, right? Mm. The whole the point of habits is not to continue that action forever. The point of habits is for the habit to contribute to an identity change. Mm. And when you feel your identity changing, that's when you can stop. You can, you, you can give the habit a lot more flexibility. You don't have to perform it when, it when you hang the key up anymore. So I feel now that I'm a much more generous communicator and mm. I, I value my wife a lot more and I'm more comfortable expressing that. So I don't do that. In, I don't actually do the key thing anymore but I did it for probably I don't know six weeks yeah um until it really had an effect yeah 
Mm. You know, and that, that's what we call behaviour change. Behaviour change is about changing your behaviour so that it affects your identity, right? Mm. Mm. And that's the really important part. One thing that we discussed before as well was small talk. A lot of yeah. people that I work with, I would say by far, if there's one thing that almost everybody I work with struggles with, in another language, in another culture, is small talk. It is so specific to the culture that you're in. And if you're trying to move into that culture, it's it's really hard to know the language, to keep up with the conversation. You're often in a bar, there's a lot of background noise. And my theory is that it's imperative if you're going to move up into a leadership role and that people, this is where we see the cultural ceilings, right? Because people aren't able to do the small talk in the same way as the people who've grown up in that environment. So can you think of some ways that we can improve that for people? Well, as it so happens, I, I, I dislike small talk myself. <laughs> you know, um, I recognise Graham. Graham knows me. You know me, Graham. I'm not really much of a small talker. I'm a small talker, Graham. I really, I'm really not. I mean, I, I, I dislike small talk. Um, you know, even in English, I dislike small talk. So it's not a language thing for me. But I, you know, I've recognised that small talk is important. So again, I've had to develop the habit of small talk, right? Um, so what I did is I used, I used what we call behaviour change. Right, and I've been talking around it a bit, but everything revolves around two things: triggers and friction. Triggers are things that start, make us start something. And as I said earlier, once you've started something, you're more likely to go on with it. How do you stick to the habit even if you don't feel like it? Yep, I'll, I'll address that a little bit later. Yeah, just a little bit later. Great, thanks. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, no, I'll, I'll address it now because I'm talking about it. Mm. Okay, triggers and friction. Friction makes you not feel like doing it. Friction stops action. Removing friction makes action happen. If you don't feel like it, you've got to remove friction. And that means you've got to make it easier, okay? If you make things easy enough, it's harder to avoid it than to do it. You've got to make things easy enough. It's harder. It's more work to not do it than it is to do it. And, you know, you can't technically do that all the time, but it is amazing when you remove friction, okay, it's inevitable you'll do it. And, and you, have, you have to plan for that. You know that you will not feel like performing a habit all the time. You know that. So you, the, way, the way you get around that is you make sure you have an amazing trigger that gets you into it before you feel like not doing it, right? And secondly, that you make it so easy that you do it anyway, okay? You have to, especially at the beginning of a habit, okay? That's, that's the really, that's the dangerous part. So look, you know, we always talk about go to the gym for two minutes. Go to the gym. I don't feel like going to the gym today. So you know, when I go to the gym, I walk in, I walk around the gym for three minutes and I walk out and I go, I did it, right? <laughs> I did it, right? And, you know, and so reduce the difficulty of the action on any particular day you want so that it gets to this minimal viable, the MVP, the smallest viable product to do and just do it because it's so easy to do. So how do you turn it around for yourself, Stephen? 
how do I how do I turn it around? The small talk thing. What okay. what did you convince? Okay. How did you remove the friction? Okay, so triggers and friction. Mm. So what you know what is the trigger? What what commences me? Right. What commences me to sort of avoid small talk? What commences me to say I hate small talk? Well, it's 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 what we call an emotional trigger for me. I get this awkward feeling. I get this awkward emotion before small talk, which is like eh, I don't really want to do this. Like you know, it's, it, it, I don't like it. Right. That's what we call an emotional trigger. And emotional triggers are some of these sneakiest triggers, right? Because they're in, they're what we call internal triggers. There are external triggers, there are internal triggers. I see that donut over there, that's an external trigger <laughs> bringing me to eat it. But our internal triggers, which are our actions and our feelings, can be really sneaky. So you be a bit mindful. So I get this feeling, Lanny, I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk to this person. I just don't really want to do it. So what I've done, I've identified that moment, and that moment is that feeling, and I know it. I go, Ugh! and that's my trigger for my new action. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is, and, you know, I'm, I'm quite a selfish person. So I go, I say to myself, I'm going to talk to this person and I'm going to talk to these people because these people have things that can help me. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to find great information from them that's going to make my life better. So I'm now on a fact-finding mission. So I turn it into some kind of game where I'm trying to get information from them. But when I start the small talk, of course, it is, it's, I, I kind of enjoy it, right? But it's that, it's that awkwardness. So you have to recognize these emotional triggers, which are usually feelings of being of uncomfort or discomfort. And, and you use that as a trigger to go into a small, easy action that propels you forward positively. So I go up to someone and I say, I'm actually, because I want to find information from them, I'm asking them a lot of questions, right? Mm -hmm. It actually turns into some good small talk, yeah? And I will say to some of you who, who are doing it in a foreign language, you know, that makes it doubly difficult. It makes it doubly scary. It makes it doubly uncomfortable. So you've got double that, that sort of emotional trigger of pulling you away. But use that. Use that to tell yourself, I'm really interesting because I'm different, you know? If you're if you're from France and you're going to talk to a group of English people, you go, I'm different. People are going to be interested in me. You know, I'm bringing something unique, right? Yeah. So it's really training yourself to 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 behave, to act when you get these discomforting triggers. Yeah, I feel like um, whether it's presenting or small talk or generally when there's some pressure to speak in a certain environment, I have observed that people and probably even in myself that there's a lot of pressure on me to perform and if I if someone wants me to do a dance perform to sing a song I'm terrified but as soon as I removed that and went okay I'm not actually here for myself I'm here for the other person then that allowed me to really relax so I'm not here I'm not here presenting me tonight I'm here to present Stephen, but also to give people what I think they want. And that that shifts my mentality. I think that I can remember the moment when, when that shifted for me. As a teacher, when you and I were both working at performance education, there was this idea that, oh my goodness, I had to know all of the curriculum and I've got a new class tomorrow and I've got to know what their problems are. And I just stopped. 
And I thought, I'm just going to spend the first hour asking them questions and understanding what their challenges are. And I've got a lot of knowledge. I can probably handle a lot of their questions just before we even get into the curriculum. And I think that removing, I try and share that with people, but I think it's a very felt experience on my behalf. And I, I wonder how, you know, we can, I guess it is learning what your own trigger is. And my trigger, oh no, my friction was that, oh, I have to perform and I'm scared of performing. But my trigger was I can help people by just listening to what's going on for them and what their challenges are. And that was mind-blowingly different for me from that point onwards. I, I still get nervous at times, but I just remind myself that I'm here to serve other people. I'm here to help someone else. And that is a lifesaver for me. Yeah, and, and BJ often talks about the getting the small wins, getting that really small win and allowing yourself to feel successful. Yeah. So, you know, in, so going up to someone saying, hi, I'm Stephen. I'm Stephen, what's your name, right? And allowing yourself to feel a feeling of, of a success mm. because that's what creates habits, right? Habits are created around a feeling of positivity. Mm. So, so trigger, I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to this guy. Who's this guy? What's his name? Graham. I don't want to talk to him. Oh, God. <laughs> trigger, Graham is an interesting guy and he's going to help me and give me some great information. Hi, Graham. I'm Stephen. What's your name? Imagine he has a name tag. That's why I said Graham. So, and, and then allowing myself to say, God, well done. I went up and I spoke to someone and I, and I asked them a question. That's, that's a win, right? Smile, that's a win. You do that three or four times, and I'm telling you that that will become your new way of operating, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to say something quickly. There is a lot of crap out there about habits take a month or two months or, you know, 66 days or a year to build. It's all rubbish, okay? Absolute, absolute rubbish. Habits, habits can form in a matter of two or three days. Anyone who's got children and has seen a child pick up a phone and start to play a video game and you watch them and you go, oh, my God, how are they doing that? right? Yeah. It's because they, they, they're building habits. Like they build habits almost instinctively today, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, no, no, they're, they're, if, if, you, if, you, if you take 60, 66 days to form a habit, mm -hmm. then you're trying to form it around something that is, is not suitable for a habit or you're doing it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I would never persist for 66 days with something if I didn't feel it was becoming automatic in some way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think one example that BJ Fogg talks about in his TED talk that I just put in the in the link there is he talks about going to the toilet because he goes to the toilet every day. He can't avoid it. So every time he went to the toilet, he did two push-ups. And then he said, now he said eight. And he said, once I get to eight, I usually do 12. And then he gets the audience to, you know, build build in this celebration. And he said, and after it, he just goes, Awesome, because he's yeah. American. He's, he, he, he's American. Um, yeah, he calls them super. He calls them super triggers. So we, we we all have events in our day that we kind of regularly already do, right? So and they often they often involve things like grooming or going to the bathroom or eating because we tend to do them really regularly. We always seem to you know we always brush our teeth. We always have a shower. We always do this. So those event those small events are really great to build new habits around because they're such regular triggers and they will they, they will automatically remind you to do something new so it's about weaving a new action habit action into the existing habit landscape of your day if you weave that in it's just automatic it'll just become automatic like a conveyor belt um you know um 
I, I have my own rituals when I when I present. When I'm presenting, before I'm presenting, I have my own rituals, right? My own habit routines that I go into. And they are different now to they were when I first started, right? Because because the things I do now serve me positively, right? Mm. And so I, I tend to keep doing them. Um, so is this is this habit stacking? Graham's just put um, habit stacking question mark in there. Well, well exactly. And and we BJ Fogg says, and I, and I tend to agree with him. We should always habit stack when you are when you're introducing a new action into your life. Always pair it with an existing habit. So James took that. And James Clear, and they, he called it habit stacking, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, but BJ, B, yeah, B, BJ says, you know, an existing prompt, which is an existing habit, after you finish that, you, you build a new one on top of it. When it becomes really strong, then you introduce flexibility into your life because it's part of your identity. You don't need to marry them. But when you start out, like I would never advise anyone to do two push-ups in the bathroom. Not, it's not really what I would advise people to do. He talks about flossing his teeth in the bathroom. Yeah. That's a really good one because those actions go well together. Mm. I, I think exercising in the bathroom is not really something that I would I would advise, but as an example, it's a really good one. You know, mm. leave your book on the pillow. If you yeah. want to read more, leave your book on the pillow. So that when you go to bed, your book's there, you pick it up. Or leave your book next to the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Things like that. Um, so that's that's the other thing. And you mentioned environment as well. It's so important mm. to design your environment to yeah. make that habit really easy. So I was asked, you know, if you don't feel like it, if your environment is set up for it, then it, it's it's easier to do than avoid. So Okay, you know, yeah, go into that in more detail because it sounds like we have to have this magical environment, but how do you create the environment? Well, I don't want to sound overly organised. Um, I, am, I am incredibly lazy, and that's one of the reasons I'm into habits because I'm super lazy and I'm super not organized. So I want the shortcut. I want the easy way. And that's why I, I, I use the fog behavior model because it, it's a way to create these habits really easily for the average person who's not very organized, doesn't like planning, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the only thing you have to do with your environment is you have to say to yourself, physical friction, well, let, let's say physical friction, that's the biggest habit killer. Mm. That means when I've decided I'm going to do something, do I have the things around me to do it? Or do I have to, do I have to go here and there? So, for example, you, you, if you want to go, to, you've mentioned this before, if you want to go to the gym at 6 in the morning, okay? So you get out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and that's your trigger, go straight to the gym, but if you have to go to the cupboard and get your clothes out and then go and get your shoes and then go and have your coffee and all that kind of stuff, that's too much physical friction and time friction. You'll never, you'll never do it. Mm. So you just have to say to yourself, okay, what, where am I going to put my clothes and my shoes so that I can get out that door as quickly and as easily as possible? Yeah, right. that's really, it's making me think of, uh, what is her name? She did the, the five-second rule. 
Mel. Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins. And it was that yeah. five, four, three, two, one. You got five seconds to get put the habit yeah. in or put the action into exactly into yeah, motion. To, Otherwise, you'll talk yourself out of it. Yeah, and she 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 uh, last year she released the high five habit. Oh yeah. Which I did for three months. I did that for three months. You know, where you go to the bathroom mirror and you high five yourself and you and you you say I love you. Yeah, uh, I think this is what I'm realizing. Like I'm pretty good at starting new habits, but. I wanted, I was thinking about something on Sunday night and I thought, okay, I'm going to get up and write about that. Cause I think that could be interesting to put down onto paper. And I went to bed excited to think I'm going to get up and I'm going to allow my brain to think about it through the night and come up with a way to start writing about it. Yeah. Then I slept in, I had a terrible night's sleep. And then I got up and I wanted to go for a walk and get a coffee. And so I just did that and, and I didn't do it. And then I was so mad at myself for not doing it. I'm, I was angry at myself. Yeah. And I thought, uh, that's the part I'm really, good at doing is is telling myself like punishing myself for not doing something I really wanted to do yeah. so I mean the awesome doesn't really do it for me but I yeah. think finding something that's positive I, for I, I, look, I don't do the awesome stuff but but the one thing I do do and I think it's really important is I generate a feeling I said this before I create a feeling of success mm. because I say to myself I've done it it's now taking I'm, I'm closer to that goal of mine so even if I go to the gym for five minutes, when I walk out, I, I allow myself to smile and go, good job. I don't have to say good job, but I go, I, I feel successful mm -hmm. even, you know, because I'm, I'm building the habit of going to the gym, even if it's only five minutes, right? I'm building the habit of going to the gym, mm -hmm. okay? The results will come, but I have to build the habit first. And that's why I keep talking about the formation stage is so important. That's not where the results are. The formation stage is getting used to it. It becomes something that you'd regularly do. Then you can scale it up. Then then yeah. you can scale an existing habit. You can't start big. It's all about starting small. Like, and just one, you know, just as an example, what you said before, like my wife is a shift worker, so she works in the hospital. She often has to leave at like 4.30 in the morning. So what she does is that all her, all her bags and everything are right next to the front door when she goes to sleep. So when she gets up, she gets changed and she just walks to the front door, picks up her ba bags and everything and walks out. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, it's just a little bit of forethought to get your environment. And I'll say one more thing about environment. Environment also includes your digital environment, and that's really, really important. So the way you set up your computer screens, super important, right? You need to remove friction, you know? when I, If I have to write a paper for my MBA, just opening up a bloody Word document and starting the formatting and all that kind of stuff, I won't do it. It's too much mental friction to get it all done. Mm -hmm. So when I start a new subject on my MBA, I go to the assessments and I put two assessment documents and I put the headings and everything and I have them open on my screen always so that if I'm writing, I just have to start it. I, I don't have any friction getting into it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it's not only the friction of, of the negative thought, it's just the friction of time it takes to get into it. Because yeah. yeah. I'll get sidetracked with something else and I find that. I say, oh, I'll just send a WhatsApp message to someone and then, oh, there's another WhatsApp message and, oh, what's it happening on Instagram? And then before I know it, I've forgotten what I came yeah. here. And maybe I should just quickly say what the four frictions are because this yeah, is really important. I'll, I'll write them into the chat as well. The four frictions are physical effort, mental effort, time, and money. Okay. Right? So if you want to make things easier, you make them physically easier, 
that's the big one. You make them mentally easier. That means not confusing, so you know, and, and or not, not taxing. Yeah. You make them short in time, and you make them cost less. If you want to introduce friction, you introduce any of those four. Yeah, great. You know, it, it's what they did with smoking. Like many years ago, uh, when governments found out that you know smoking was bad, they thought that just by informing people smoking kills you, most people would stop smoking. What happened? Almost no one did. Yeah. It's because, you know, to bridge the intention-action gap with knowledge and information rarely works. Mm. What did work? Friction. Mm. Well, two things, removing triggers and introducing friction. So, you know, I'm old enough to remember suddenly they banned advertising for cigarettes, they banned yeah. sponsorship, mm. and banned displaying them in shops. Yeah. So they removed the triggers. They removed the things that encourage people to do it. Then they made it bloody expensive. <laughs> they, they introduced, and they introduced two frictions in the actual purchasing of cigarettes, which they made it physically difficult. You had to, you couldn't just go to the supermarket and grab one and put in your trolley. You had to go there and ask for it, you know. And, and of course, money friction, as you just said. So they change people behave, people's behaviours through triggers and frictions. You can't change people's behaviour through information, mm. right? I mean, it's good and it helps but if you expect people to form habits of that, it doesn't happen. The Mongolian guy did not form habit through education. He formed it through his triggers and his actions. And that's yeah. the thing I'm saying is take a behavioral um, a strategy to solving these problems. Don't do it by education and motivation. That's the wrong way. Mm. And, but, tradi but traditionally, that was the way we always did it. Awesome. Yeah. Information and motivation. Yeah. Oh, no, because because motivation is the most unreliable thing to build any long-lasting habit on. An interesting one is I think one of the instigators for me reaching out to you to have this this interview tonight is a client of mine is really struggling with pronunciation. And after a while, when we've been speaking regularly for she she does actually kick into play a little bit better and she doesn't make the same pronunciation you know awkwardness is for, to want to for want of a better word but when she doesn't speak for a while they all come back and so we're thinking you know just getting up every morning and and saying something even just one phrase to really get your mouth moving in the right way because I'm sure it's just muscular and I found that helpful when I lived in France many years ago if I got up and spoke English I spoke French the first thing in the day, then my French was quite fluent for, through most of the day. If I woke up and started speaking English, my French was terrible. And it was, I could move between them pretty easily, but just that psychological switch first thing in the morning, somehow it magically worked for the whole day. So how she's trying to implement a habit to do something in English every morning, but she's also going to the gym and she's also looking after her kids and she's also running a business in Australia and she's trying to do a million things. And so I guess that's a good question too. How do I do all of these things when, <laughs> how do I add another one to already so many habits? Well, yeah, well, well look, I have, look, I have a young child as well, um, you know, uh, and that, again, that's one of the reasons why I implement small, small and easy new actions because I can't, I have no energy or wish to struggle to make changes in my life. I have to make it easy and fun. Mm. So um, I think you're right from a language point of view. You now we have to, 
The way we speak is some of the most ingrained habits in existence because we've been speaking in a certain way since we were basically two years old. So the way we move our mouth when we're speaking is, is just so ingrained. To actually change that is, is incredibly difficult. Um, and I worked in pronunciation for a number of years with, with, a, a, with this guy who was... Uh, anyway, we worked on the musculature of the mouth. But there's just... Look, there's no, there's no easy way. Um, you know, there's a region why speech pathologists really work on that. But you're absolutely right. You, you, you have to develop... That she has to develop the habit... So, again, we have to make it really small, even one minute in the morning, just one minute, you know. One phrase even. One phrase, one phrase. And I would say I, I, I would, for those kind of things, I like to put a habit in what I call empty space. Now, I'll explain this. Explain this. A day has a lot of what we call these small empty spaces. Now, it might be you go to the bathroom, you turn the shower on, and there's 10 or 15 seconds before you get in because it's too cold. <laughs> what, what do you do with that time? Or I'm boiling the kettle. I'm, I'm waiting for the kettle to boil at home. I've got like two minutes. What do I do with that? You know, what do I do when I'm, I get to the bus stop and I've got three minutes for the bus? These pockets of dead time that are very, usually very consistent in our days are fantastic for those kind of habits, right? Because not only is this space available for them, makes you feel good because you're doing something and you're kind of feeling empty space. So it kind of has this double thing. Yeah. So I, for example, I, I use affirmations. That means I do look in the mirror and I say something nice to myself every day. Mm. But I could never do that consistently until I paired it with that 10 seconds waiting for the shower to warm up. Yeah. Because that actually was the best trigger because I had this 10-second gap and, you know, that, that's the perfect time for these things, for your client to be looking in the mirror in the bathroom, you got that 10 to 15 seconds, and you just say that, you know, you say those tongue twisters or you say those, you know, what are they called, minimal pairs or whatever it is, five to ten times, and you look at your mouth in the mirror so you can visually see that you're making the movements. Yep, yep. Mm. Um, even that 15 seconds in the morning, so powerful. And then if she smiles and goes, I did it, gets in the shower, yeah, and you get that reward from the shower. Mm. So it's so powerful these little yeah. dead moments, and you'll find that you'll find that she'll do it, and you'll find that it'll build up, and you'll find that yeah. one day she'll want to she'll want to scale that. She'll want to scale it. Mm. So that, that would be my suggestion. Make it a real tiny habit. Use that dead space. Look in the mirror, and feel good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So I've I've sort of warned everyone that question time is coming. If anyone has any questions, now is a good time to, you know, just just start speaking. Just take yourself off mute and ask a question or pop it into the chat and I'll ask if you want. Um, just start putting them in there. Does anyone have any right now? I, I, I just want to quickly ask, um, is it Zviko? Because Zviko put that question in, in the chat box. How do you stick to the habit if you don't feel like it? BJ says that yeah. when you start doing a habit, think of it like this. Could I still do this action if I was in bed feeling really sick? On my sickest day in bed, could I still do it? If you go yes, then that is the habit action you start with when you're forming a habit. So, and that's exactly what you were saying. 
You don't feel like it. I'm sick in bed. I, the last thing I want to do is do this thing, right? Is read my two pages or whatever. But if you feel you could kind of still do it, then that's the level to start with, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it's counterintuitive. The whole point of this, it's not intuitive to us, okay? It is counterintuitive what I'm saying to all of you because you, all of us think, no, it's got to be challenging. It's got to be a little bit difficult. I've got to be achieving something, even from the beginning. No, from the beginning is all about stepping up, showing up. I yeah. think this is really good. Sorry, go ahead. Did you have something to oh. say? I did. Thank you for that, um, Stephen. Um, I also wanted just to follow up on that. Is that the same strategy on a scary habit? So, for example, I work in sales and I hate cold calling because it's scary. Um, yeah, but I have to do it. <laughs> so I end up procrastinating all day. Yeah. Even though everyone else around me, I can see they just do it first thing in the morning. And for me, the hardest thing is to just make that first call. Mm. Um, yeah. Procrastinate, yeah, look, so much has been written about procrastinate. I mean, I, I'm a world champion procrastinator, so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm qualified to talk. But, you know, for me, procrastination was very much like my small talk example. It is a very particular emotion for me because I know I reach that moment where I go, I'll do that thing later. I'll do the thing later. And that is the precise moment I build a new trigger. So I've taught myself for scary things like that, that, is that when I recognize that clear emotional trigger of, eh, maybe I'll just do it a bit later, I, I, I do it. Like I actually am dialing that number. I'm, dial, I'm actually dialing that number and I'm going, what am I doing? What am I doing? I, Good morning. <laughs> My name is Vico. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I kind of have to almost trick myself into it. But, but, but what I'm just saying is just do one, just set yourself up. I'm just going to do one call in the morning, right? You know, and of course, if you do it and you feel like doing more, keep going. But, but, but you're, you might just say, I'm just going to do, when I get that feeling of procrastination, I do one call. I just do one call. And that, and that for me is my, is my feeling of success. And is it and, also about the, the um, friction as well? I wonder, you know, Zvigo, if it's comfortable to share with us, do you know what the, what the friction is? Um, I, I think it's probably something like the fear of rejection. And also um, I work in an open office. So I feel like knowing that people can hear me talk and start the conversation makes it worse. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just a long list to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cold, look, cold calling in itself is such a skill. You know, my, my closest friend is, 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 you know, he's been cold calling for you know 45 years. So he's, he's almost written the book on it. But yeah, but you're right. You have to reduce. You know, he's obviously he has his own strategies to reduce the fear. Um, you know, and, and and he again he has this he has this attitude that he is giving a gift to people. His call is a gift to people. And even if they don't want to talk to him, you know, he's just like, well, that's okay. That's fine. But you know, I'm I'm calling you with the best gift of your life. You know, so and I'm not intruding on you because I'm giving you a gift. And if you don't want it, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a different, that's kind of a sales or, or a cold calling. Yeah. But I find sales super fascinating because it was something I was terrified. And I think it was that thing. I came from an arts background and selling was the devil's work in an arts, an arts major's mind. And then I turned into a communication person and I think it became the epitome of the most sophisticated form of communication. It's the most challenging form of communication. And I like the I, I like that you said that um, you know you're scared of rejection, 
And there was something else I'd heard. It might even be a dating thing that came across one time. Just try and get rejected a hundred times. Can you can you possibly get rejected a hundred times? You you will always fail. So if you, can you do you reckon that you can flip that like that? Stephen, that you can sort of flip some kind of fear into, let, let me no, just try and get rejected. <laughs> again, that's your, you have to understand is that that's your habit, right? Your habit is to, is, is to create this idea in your head. When you get that emotional feeling of, I have to make a call, do I want to procrastinate? You've coupled it with this fear of being rejected or, you know, but it's, it's hugely common in the, in, in, the, in the industry. But again, it is, you know, it is taking that trigger of that procrastination feeling and creating a new thought, you know. Mm. It, it, I don't usually talk about what we call internal mental habits of, of emotions and thoughts because it's such a crowded landscape in our psychology. But it, but, but it is important that you are able to build, as I said, new pathways into that feeling of, you know, I'm going to call someone and, you know, I have an offer for them that they would be stupid to say no to. Like, I'm going to give you an offer that you, you'd be silly not to listen to me or say no to, you know. I'm, I'm calling you because I'm going to save you money. I'm going to make you a lot of money, right? So I'm not saying use those words, but if you can kind of go, yeah, I, or, or, you know, put it into a game form. Like, I'm just going to, you know, uh, or try different personas, you know, try and make it a bit more fun. Um, yeah, I was um, easy. selling a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook recently, Facebook Marketplace, just, you know, not for much money, just things that I had in my house. And it was the most interesting psychological experiment. And I, I really could feel my brain going down, oh, I've got to sell this stuff and I've got to talk to these people and they're asking all really annoying questions. <laughs> and at the end, I just thought, this is like a psychology degree right here. You know, just trying to see what, what pushes people's buttons. And when, you know, if I made people struggle a little bit or, or no, if I made myself look like I was in pain, then they definitely wanted the sale. Like, oh, no, I didn't want to go that cheap. <laughs> they wanted it more and I was just playing with those ideas a lot and it was fascinating I always I almost wish I had another house full of stuff that I could sell on Facebook <laughs> a lot of scammers on on Facebook marketplace too I, I I was almost scammed last week on Facebook marketplace I won't talk about it but a guy mm. tried to scam me with a fake site and um yeah, right. It was very well done. Like, it was incredibly well done. Good caveat. Yeah, but don't yeah. go into Facebook marketplace. Exactly. Unaware. Um, any other final thoughts before we close off for tonight? Um, oh, hang on. We do have a question. How can we overcome the friction of procrastination because of fear of failure or because we want something to be very perfect? So it's sort of that perfectionism question. Yeah, and, you know... Um, BJ Fogg did a did a little seminar about a month ago on this, and I, I attended it for, for for the people he trained. He did a little seminar on procrastination and perfectionism. But it is it is again, you have, you have to start you have you have to start from the position of this is my current habit, right? And when you when you start from that position, you know that you can change it, right? So it's not your identity; it's what it, it's just your habit, right? When you get this trigger of a feeling of uh, a fear, because you're right, procrastination is normally, is often based on, on perfectionism, right? Um, not always, but it's often based on perfectionism. Or it's based on a perception of, of, of difficulty. So we perceive something as being far more difficult than it actually is. So, you know, BJ just says, you know, it's kind of what I said before, is that you have to plan to do only a very, very easy small task. 
If you make the task much smaller and easier, you are far less likely to procrastinate it because you, you won't perceive it as being a difficult, too difficult. So it's so what they often say is we procrastinate things that we that appear too difficult for us or they're too confusing because they're not clear about what the first step is. So oh, I've got I've got to write my MBA paper. Oh, I'm gonna procrastinate it. Part of that is because I don't know what the first step is, right? I mean, I, I, what, is starting a, what is starting a paper? What is cleaning my garage? We, we, it, there's no first step. So if you break it up into one little clear first step and there's no mental friction, you know what you have to do. There's less physical friction because it's, it's not going to take you very long. Mm. So what I do, for example, instead of saying, I don't want to write my MBA, I just say, I just say today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my Word document and I'm going to do the title page. I'm going to write the title page. It's mm. probably like 20 words. And you know what? That's it. Yeah? Yeah, nice. I know this person is a lawyer and struggles in a very highly competitive environment too. Make your bed. I love that comment. Make your bed. Make your bed. And and, and, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there's another guy, another really famous guy talks about resistance as well. Um, What's his name? Oh, gosh. Pressman. Um, He wrote The War of Art. Um, You know, he's all, you know. Yeah, Pressfield. Yeah, yeah. His books are great too. You know, do the work. <laughs> Listen to the voice. You know, do it anyway. Stephen Pressfield. Yes. Okay. Um, but it really, but it really is. You know, it, it's easy to say just do it, but we can't do it if we're confused about what that step is, or it appears to be very daunting. So make it really easy and short, and just give yourself a tiny goal, and you'll be surprised that you will that you you probably not do it. Yeah, that's it. The war of art. The war mm-hmm. of art. And the second one, oh, that was really good too. I think it's called Do the Work or something. Yeah, they're only Same like author. They're only like a hundred pages, and they're really good. They're really, yeah. really good. Thanks for that. Thank, Thank you, Mark. Thank you for yeah. reminding me. That's really, really good. Stephen, oh. that's an hour. How did we get to the end so quickly? I could because talk. I just, I just, I just babbled away. I babbled away. <laughs> um, <laughs> never stopped. Oh, it's huge. I, I would love to just ask everybody what is one habit that you want to start putting into place because my mind is just going with so many different things. But maybe that's a good takeaway to leave it on. If you've got one, see if you can put it into practice. Yeah. And I, look, I, I just, I just close by making one comment, and that is, you know, my goal today was just to say to everyone. It's really easy and it's fun, you know, because I am so lazy. I'm just the laziest guy ever. <laughs> and it's so easy and fun just to create really, really small changes. Um, and it's a relief because I used to struggle. I mean, I, I used to think it was such a, it was such a battle to, mm. to, to change my behavior. But now I realize it's just, it's really, really easy. And the last thing I'll say is if, you, if you're going to choose a habit, like someone wrote exercise, is that Lynn B.? Again, yes. that's, so that's not a habit. Exercise is not, it's not a habit. It's, it's a goal, right? Because there are many, 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 many actions you can do under the umbrella of exercise. The action you choose is really important. And BJ talks about a golden habit, okay? So if you're selecting, go, okay, I want to exercise more or I want to eat, eat better. The golden habit is the one that is effective, so if my, ex- if my exercise goal is because I want to lose weight, then it has to be effective, okay? Playing video games is not going to be effective to lose weight because doing this is not going to be enough, right? It has to be effective, it has to be enjoyable, and it has to be something within your current ability. Those three make it a golden habit, okay? Those three things, yeah? 
It's effective in helping me reach a goal. I, I have the skill set to do it, and I kind of enjoy it. You know, running, yeah, I can run. I kind of enjoy it. And you know what? Um, it's effective at losing weight. That's my, that's my habit, yeah. right, you know? So, so when you're thinking of, of a new action, always think about the, the closer you can get to those three things, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the one to choose. Right, yeah. those three things because I was trying to do like 30 taxes. seconds of skipping after the toilet and it didn't work because I'm like I've got to go outside I can't do that in the bathroom so I'm going to do it as I leave to walk the dogs in the morning I'm going to do 30 seconds of skipping I'm going to leave my skipping yeah. rope at the back door <laughs> yeah. and I just say one thing cleaning up the kitchen after cooking dinner Tristan you know I do that and I just put I I, I put my headphones on and I've got my I've got my favorite playlist and I'm just kind of dancing around around the kitchen doing all this right and I, and I look forward to it every night yeah right cool. because I made it as enjoyable as I can he's a muso um, too you pick the right yeah the right um yeah you know, accompaniment yeah, <laughs> awesome they, they, they call that temptation bundling by the way yeah. it's got a okay. good name cool all right well thanks for Steven, that thank you so much it was so much fun talking it's a pleasure okay everyone nice to meet you all see you soon Stay in touch. we'll talk soon thanks okay. guys thank you bye-bye Bye-bye. Thanks, Leonie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Leonie. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Bye, Pleasure. Thank you. Oh, and thank you, Leonie, for having me. <laughs> thank you. No, my pleasure. My Look pleasure. Me being a, such a grateful person. I didn't even thank the host.